I want to invite you uh, to open with me in your Bibles tonight uh, to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to continue the series that we've been in on spiritual warfare. How many of you enjoyed this so far? Amen? Uh, I want to uh, just start where we have been and then move on from there tonight. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is going to be our theme verse uh, for us as we continue to go uh, through this series. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I guess it would help if I opened there too. Um, and we are going to be going uh, quite a few different places tonight. So uh, let's be nimble uh, with our Bibles tonight. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and starting in verse 3. And it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that in our time together that you would speak to us and that you would help us, Lord, to get in the fight, to be used by you to, to advance your kingdom, to, to push back the forces of darkness and to take the light of Christ into every place that we go. We thank you, Lord, that you are, have, that you have empowered us for this task and that you are equipping us to be able to do what you have called us to do. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Now, as I've shared with you, spiritual warfare is not just for the, you know, quote-unquote spiritual elite, for the pastors and missionaries. That Spiritual warfare is for all of us. And last week I shared that the whole Christian life is spiritual warfare. Your whole life truly is spiritual warfare, that every single day is a spiritual battle because spiritual warfare is this, taking every thought captive to make it obey Christ. That is spiritual warfare. And so I have a lot of thoughts that are not in alignment with the Word of God. I'll just confess to you tonight that I think things that are not true. I think things that are not lined up with the Word of God. And so what I must do and what you must do is take those thoughts, those ideas, and even systems of thought which become strongholds, philosophies, and to take them and to arrest them and to align our thinking with the Word of God. That is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is applying the truth of God from His Word to every area of life, beginning with our own thoughts. Asserting the Lordship of Christ, that Jesus is Lord, that Christ is King over all things, starting with my own mind, to think like a Christian, to think and to act like Jesus really is who he said he was. That is spiritual warfare. And how many of you have been practicing that over the last week as we've been talking about? How many of you have been mindful about the thoughts that you've been thinking? All right. Four of you, God bless you. Okay, we got some more hands going up. All right, all right, all right. This is so key because we never move beyond this. 
Ever. Until they put us in a box and have our funeral. This is where we are. This is always where we are. No, no matter what level that you reach in your Christian walk in faith, you never get beyond the point where you're battling your own thoughts. Ever. You never get beyond the point where you have to, to recognize and to think and to be discerning. Is that true or is that false? And so even as we move forward in the series, everything that we're talking about is rooted in this. We must take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Word of God, make it obedient to Christ. And so tonight I'm going to talk about another powerful weapon that we have in our arsenal of spiritual warfare. And tonight we're talking about prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. I want to help you tonight to pray prayers that God will answer. Those are the kind of prayers I want to pray. Prayers that God answers. Now, and I know, I know <laughs> that we've, we've got our Christian theology all buttoned up. And we'll say things like, God answers all of our prayers. It's just sometimes he answers no. How many of you have ever heard that? Or sometimes God answers later. I want to pray prayers that God answers yes to. Those are the kind of prayers I want to pray. I don't want to keep praying prayers that God says no to. I don't want to keep praying prayers that God says later to. I want to pray prayers that he says yes to and that he answers. So when I'm talking about answered prayer, I'm not talking tonight about prayers that God answers with no. I'm talking about prayers that God answers with yes. How many of you want to pray those kinds of prayers? Now, sometimes when we pray, I don't know if you found this out, sometimes when we pray, God, he, he doesn't do what he asks him us. He doesn't do what we ask him to do. How many of you have found that out? And sometimes when that happens, people become discouraged. Sometimes people conclude that God either doesn't hear us or that he doesn't answer prayer. I know people who have given up on God because God didn't answer their prayers. So this is a, a very important thing that we're pray, uh, talking about tonight. It's a very important thing. Because prayer is a powerful weapon in our spiritual lives. And so I'm going to keep things simple tonight and hopefully keep things somewhat brief. Sometimes we have a tendency, I don't know if you've noticed this, to overcomplicate things. So I'm going to try and make it simple. I want to teach you tonight about three prayers that God never answers. Three prayers that God never answers. And I'm framing it in the negative because we remember negative things. I don't know why that is, but that's just how we are. If something's negative, we remember it. Someone can tell me a hundred nice things about the sermon I preached and then they tell me, somebody comes and tells me one negative thing and guess what I remember? For the rest of my life! So I'm framing this negatively tonight to help you remember it. Three prayers that God never answers. And I guarantee you, God does not answer 100% of these prayers. But we pray, pray we, we fall into these categories all the time. So I want to help to move you out of praying these prayers into praying the kinds of prayers that God answers. Amen? 
The first prayer that God never answers is the prayer that is never prayed. Now, some of you chuckled. You think I'm trying to be cute. But this is the truth. It might seem obvious. Well, of course, God doesn't answer prayers that are never prayed. But if only we lived according to what is abundantly obvious. We don't, do we? We don't. I cannot tell you how many times, let me just give you an example of how we don't live according to what is obvious. I can't tell you how many times I've gone up to a guy who's in really good shape and I tell him, tell, what's your secret, man? What are you doing? How, are you, how, are you, how do you get in such great shape? And he's like, well, you got to diet and exercise. And I'm like, oh, come on. You, you tell me the truth, right? Like, I want to know what the real secret is. No, it's diet and exercise. It's obvious. But we don't always live according to what's obvious. And I'll let your, your scale be the judge of that, okay? We, God never answers prayers that are never prayed. And in fact, God addresses this reality in his word. Flip over with me to James. James chapter 4. Look at a couple verses from James 4 tonight, so... Uh, once you have it, don't lose it because we're going to come back here after we go some other places. James chapter 4. The very end of verse 2. James 4 verse 2, the very last part of it. You do not have because you do not ask. God doesn't answer unprayed prayers. I think King James Version puts it this way, you have not because you ask not. So to state the abundantly obvious, if you want God to answer your prayers, you must pray. If you want God to answer your prayers, you must pray. You must pray. If we are not praying we should not be surprised that God is not answering. We need to pray more. Let me put that in the first person. You need to pray more. I think I can say that unequivocally for every person in here. That we need to pray more. You need to pray more. Listen to what Jesus said. Flip over to Matthew 7. Don't lose your place in James. Flip over to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we should ask. 
We need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock. And I think I can say this. The more you pray, the more your prayers will be answered. The the more prayers you pray, the more prayers you will have answered. I I think I've, I've seen this. I know that I've seen this. The people, I've seen this just in my, in my Christian life of 41 years. The people that I have known to have the most answered prayers were the people who prayed the most. It's just that my general observation that I've seen living as a Christian life, living in church, growing up in church, is that it is the people who pray the most, who have the most answered prayers. So we should pray. God does not answer 100% of the prayers that are never prayed. So let us pray and let us pray more. Amen? Amen. Point number two. Moving right along tonight. God never answers the prayer that is not prayed in faith. Flip back with me to stay with, keep your place in Matthew and then flip back to James again. James chapter 1. The second type of prayer that God does not answer is the prayer that is not offered in faith. James chapter 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, the one who doubts, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Listen, if you, when you pray, you do not believe that God will answer your prayer, God will not answer your prayer. That's what James says. If you're praying to God and asking him to do something and you do not believe that he will do it, he won't. He won't. God does not answer the prayers that are not offered in faith. He says, don't think that you'll receive anything from the Lord if you ask with a heart that is full of doubting. That's double-minded. It's it's unstable. God responds to faith. God responds to faith. Now, I don't claim to understand how that works or why that works. I can only tell you that God responds to our faith. Flip back with me to Matthew. I told you to keep your place in Matthew. Flip back with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 8 and 9 speak about Jesus in his healing ministry. And in these two chapters, over and over again, there's a refrain that comes up. And I just want to show it to you so that you can see it. That God responds to faith. In verse 5 through uh, 13, there's the story of the centurion who had a sick servant. 
And Jesus, he, the centurion comes to Jesus and says, I have, a, I have a servant, he's very ill, will you come and heal him? Jesus says, I will, or actually the centurion asks Jesus to heal him, and Jesus says, I will come and heal him. And the centurion says, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but if you will just send the word, I know that he will be healed. And Jesus marvels at this man's faith. And he, he points out to him, he, he, he draws the disciples' attention to the centurion's faith. And in verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. That, that Jesus responded to the centurion's faith. Again, I cannot tell you how that works or why that works. I can only show you that this is what it says in the Word of God. God is not a, some sort of scientific equation that we can punch in the right variables and get the right answer. But when we pray, we must pray in faith. When we ask God, we must ask in faith. Look over at uh, chapter 9. And in verse 18, we have a, a very famous story of the woman with the issue of blood who, who has it in her mind, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And when she does, she is healed. And when she touches him, in verse 22, Jesus turned and said to her, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well, is what Jesus tells the woman who came to him to be healed. In verse 27 through 31, we see the story of two blind men. They cried out to Jesus, have mercy on us and heal us. Jesus asked them the question, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. When we pray, we must pray in faith, believing that God will answer us. God does not answer the prayers that are not offered in faith. Now, of course, God is sovereign. I understand that. God is sovereign. He's sovereign over all things. But let me tell you, part of how God accomplishes his sovereign will is through the faithful prayers of his people. God accomplishes his sovereign will through the prayers of his people who are that are offered in faith. This is why we see, and, and kids, listen to this, this is why we see God answers so many prayers from children. So often, children's prayers are answered. Why? Because their hearts aren't filled with unbelief. Because they, they pray with a childlike faith. And God responds to faith. God responds to faith. This is, again, why we see him say that we must have childlike faith. Again, not a childish faith. Not an immature faith. Not a, a faith that is a mile wide and an, and, an inch, and an inch deep. No, we need to be mature and growing in our walk with the Lord. 
But we must maintain a childlike faith and innocence about us. That's one of the defining markers of, of children is that they are not tainted by the world. They are filled with innocence. Which just shows you how evil our world is because we want to put the evil of the world into little children today. Take away and rob from them their innocence. That's the kind of faith we're to have, the kind of faith that a young child has in their father. Of course, if I ask for, for a meal from my father, he's going to feed me with something good. He's not going to give me a snake. He's not gonna, when I'm hungry, my, my dad's not going to serve me up a rock on my plate. No, because he loves me. That's that kind of childlike faith. So how do we build our faith? How can we grow in our faith? Well, how does faith come? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to grow in your faith so that you might pray in faith, guess what you need to do? Get in the word. Saturate your mind with the word of God. Saturate your mind with who God is, who Christ is. To come and worship God. And I know every Sunday night I'm preaching to the choir because you're here in the presence of the Lord and in worship. Our faith is built to believe in God, to believe in Him and to believe in His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's this story where the disciples come to Jesus and they tell Him, Lord, increase our faith. You know what he told them? Lord, increase our faith. You know what he said to them? He said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be thou removed and go into the ocean, and it would go. That's how Jesus built their faith. If you had the faith of a mustard seed. How many of you have had a mustard seed? How many of you have some mustard seeds in your kitchen? Are they huge? No, they're so tiny. And that is how powerful faith is. That the faith the size of a mustard seed could send an uproot a tree and send it into the ocean. The number one thing Jesus rebuked his disciples over was their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. If we want to have prayers that are answered, we must pray them in faith, believing that God will answer, and we build our faith by hearing and reading and receiving his word. So we should pray prayers that are faith-filled, faith-filled, believing God for big things. Now, I'm not teaching you how to bend God to your will. I want you to understand that. I'm not teaching you through faith that we bend God to do our will. That is not prayer at all. God is not a piñata, and prayers are not the stick that we go and, you know, get the goodies with. And this leads us to our third point tonight, our third and final point. The prayer that is not answered is the prayer that is not in Jesus' name. God does not answer prayers that are not offered 
in Jesus' name. Flip over with me to John 14. John 14. I'm going to look at a couple verses here from John 14 and 15. This great teaching that Jesus gives on faith and prayer. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Look at verse 7 of chapter 15. I would encourage you to read both of these chapters and meditate on them in full, but just a few excerpts tonight. Chapter 15, verse 7. If, now that, that makes this conditional here. This is conditional. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that is live in. If you live in me and my words live in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain or abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Four times here in these uh, verses, Jesus says... This phrase, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Which begs the question, what does it mean to ask something in Jesus' name? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Is it simply that at the end of our prayer we say, in Jesus' name, amen? We've done it. We've prayed in Jesus' name. Uh, no, that is not what that means. Let me give you an example that will help you understand what it means to do something in someone's name. One of my children runs into the room and says, my sister won't stop hitting me. They won't, I've told them to stop hitting, they keep hitting me. And I say to them, what do I say? Go and tell your sister that I said, stop hitting you. And they go and they said, Dad said, you better stop hitting me. 
That's what it means to do something in someone's name. It means to do something in accordance with their nature, with their character, and with their will. So to pray in Jesus' name is to pray with His authority, but to do so in such a way that is consistent with His nature, character, and will. If I am praying for things that are inconsistent with God's nature and character and will, He will not answer them. But whatever I pray that is in accordance with His nature, character, and will, Jesus promises God will answer those prayers. I told you to hold your place in James. Flip over with me to James again. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, again, the the end of verse 2 was, you do not have because you do not ask. But here's here's another issue, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Okay, well, what does that mean to ask wrongly? And, And then James tells us, you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. That is praying according to our will. That's asking for the wrong reason. If I am only praying prayers because I am selfish, because I want things and I want stuff, I am praying in my name. I am praying according to my nature and my character and my will. It doesn't matter if I tack on in Jesus' name at the end. If everything I have prayed is just what I want. But Jesus in John 15, he said, If you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, when I have been saturated in his word, I desire his will. When I have saturated myself in his word and his word lives in me, the things that I then want are the things that he wants. God changes our hearts and makes it so that we desire and long for the things that he desires and longs for. But if we are not abiding in him and we are not abiding in his word, We are going to be living according to what we want and according to our word. And again, this takes us right back to 2 Corinthians. It takes us right back to taking every thought captive, taking every desire captive, and saying, does this this thought, does this desire, is, is what I am longing for, does it line up with the word of God? Is it consistent with advancing the kingdom of God? Or do I want this just for me? Is this part of me building my own little kingdom here on earth? Or is this part of building God's kingdom here on earth? We must take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. And hear this, when we conform our thoughts 
to His Word, we conform our prayers to His will. I'll say that again. When we conform our thoughts to His Word, we conform our prayers to His will. The person who is not spending time in the Word of God, having his thoughts trained by the law of God, should not expect his prayers to be answered. Not because God's up there with a stopwatch timing you. Well, okay, if he spends 15 minutes in the Word, I'll answer you know, half of a prayer. Okay, he spent five hours in the Word. Okay, I'll answer a prayer and a half for him. No, that's not how it works. But if I will spend time in His Word, it's going to change the things that I pray for. It's going to change the things that I desire. It's going to change my whole outlook on life so that I am living for not the praise of my own glory, but the praise of His glory. And I will be asking for the things that will glorify Christ, not the things that will glorify me and give me a good life here on earth. And the Father wants to glorify the Son. The Father wants, that's His desire, that the Son would be glorified. And it is when we conform ourselves to the image of Christ by spending time with Him, abiding in Him, abiding in His Word, that we begin to take on His very nature and His very character and begin to do the very things that He did. But if we just continually fill ourselves and our lives with every other word that's out there, we won't pray, we won't pray in faith, and we won't pray in Jesus' name. We, we as image bearers of God, we have an insatiable desire for the Logos, for words, for words. It's why talk radio is so huge. News radio is so huge. The news, gossip, huge industries, right? I mean, how many times have you seen those tabloids that have a blurry picture of Bigfoot on the front? Do you know? Do you know why those are there? Because somebody's buying them. If nobody was buying them, they wouldn't be there. People just have this insatiable desire for words for news, for gossip, for podcasts, to, to hear this take and that take and, and what did they say and what did they say. That's how God created us. He made us to respond to the Logos, to the Word. But if we fill ourselves, if we saturate ourselves with everybody else's words, guess what we don't have room for? We don't have room for God's Word. And guess what we won't be praying? We won't be praying in accordance with His nature and His character. I'm not saying you can't listen to a podcast. I'm not saying that it's sinful to hear what Joe Rogan had to say. But I am saying that it would be sinful to, to think more about what Joe Rogan has to say before sitting at the feet of Christ and finding out what he has to say today. It's about putting everything in its proper place. And Jesus is the, the eternal Logos, the Word who became flesh. And we are to put His Word above all words and we're to abide in Him and let His Word live in us. And when His Word becomes alive in us, not, not, just, not just on tablets of stone here 
in this book, but truly become a part of us. It changes us. We are changed and we are conformed into his image. And we will begin to pray in accordance with his nature, character, and will. And when we pray in his name and we pray in faith, we will see our prayers answered. Our minds are like a sponge. They, they soak up whatever you feed it, whether it be true or false. And we need to be soaking up the word of God, the truth that builds our faith so that there's no room for falsehood, that there's no room for lies because our minds are saturated with the word of God. I want to close tonight by just drawing your attention to God's favorite prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to flip back there with me. God's favorite prayer. How do I know it's his favorite prayer? Because he taught us to pray it. He must, if, if he loves to hear it, we should love to pray it. And he must love to hear it because he taught us to pray it. Now, in verse 5 through 8, he gives a, a teaching on how to pray. I encourage you to read that. We're not going to take time to do that tonight. But in verse 9, he says this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy, may your name be holy. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a prayer that we should pray every day. This is a prayer that we should pray every day. Notice I'm not saying this is a prayer we should recite every day. But that we should pray this prayer every day and we should pray it in faith. Jesus would not have taught us to pray this prayer if he had no intention of answering it. And so if we will pray this prayer and we will pray it in faith, believing that he will answer it, guess what he is going to do? He is going to answer it. And, and this is an, an all-encompassing prayer, by the way. The, 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 the sum total of this prayer is enormous. That the name of the Father would be hallowed? That God's name would be hallowed? Oh, man, I pray that over myself. I pray that over my family. I pray that over our church, I pray that over our community, that God's name, that people would consider God's name to be holy. Wow. I mean, think, think about that prayer. God answering that prayer. That, that people are, are marked by the, the holiness of God. 
I mean, that in and of itself would radically transform our culture and our society. Just that first one. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer and to pray it in faith and to pray it daily. The the saints throughout the centuries, the church throughout all church history has, has been taught and have prayed this prayer daily and prayed it in faith. And, and, and we are so arrogant in our modern world that we look at, at that and we look down on that and say, oh, they're just reciting this. Oh, it's just religion. Oh, it's just, you know, rote. And, and I, I, have, I have to do something spontaneous and I have to come up with something spontaneous or, or God's not going to hear it or it's not going to be real or it's not going to be genuine. I just have to ask, if, if, if the culture is the report card of the church, do we have, are we in any position to look back on any generation and critique the way they lived out their faith? The answer is no. In fact, there is much that we can learn from previous generations. In fact, one of the great problems that we have is that we think we're so special and wonderful and we're all just a bunch of snowflakes because we invented the iPhone. which actually keeps us from prayer. So, in conclusion tonight, number one, we should pray. We should pray. We should pray in faith, believing that God will answer. And we must pray in His name, which is to say, in accordance with His nature, character, and will. And for me to do that, I must abide in His word. And we should use the model of prayer that God gave us. Because he would not have given it to us if he didn't love to answer it. Amen? Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you have given us the gift of prayer. That we can have fellowship with you. That we can have communion with you. Lord, that we can speak to you and that you speak to us. Lord, that you are a God who hears and answers prayer. We thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for your word that brings us into alignment with your will. Lord, help us to desire what you desire. Help us to love what you love. Help us to want what you want so that we would pray what your will is, that we would pray your kingdom come and your will be done, not our kingdom come, not our will be done. And Lord, that we would see your kingdom come and your will would be done in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, in our city, in our state, nation, and in our world that your name would be exalted, that your name would be hallowed. Lord, help us to to be people of prayer. In the dark times that we live in, Lord, that we would be like Daniel who prayed, surrounded by the evil culture that he was in, he knew where to find you, and that was on his knees. Lord, let us be people that pray more 
and read your word more than we saturate our minds with other words, with other news, with other entertainment. That you would shape us and form us into a mighty army. A mighty army to advance your kingdom. Lord, as we look at our culture, as we look at the world around us, there are times where we would be tempted to despair. But help us to remember that you are the God who brings dead things back to life. And that we do not fight in our own strength, with our own power, or with our own weapons, but the weapons that you have given us are divine and have divine power. And so, Lord, we should expect and anticipate great victories for you and your kingdom. Help us to live believing that, praying that, and you answering that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.